0: Hey, Newscast listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Please help us grow by subscribing or sharing the Newscast with friends, or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now, let's get this show on the
1: road. Cooking for Brett Fire, I just remember was just kind of hobbling in. I'm like, how is this man going to play football, be on a football field in three hours from now? Like, I just could not wrap my head around it. Yeah, just limping. And I'm like, man, I, I can't believe that, you know, he's going to be playing this afternoon. And he did. Welcome to the NoosaCast. What is a NoosaCast? it's where we bring local folk stories to life through conversation
0: welcome to episode 16 of the newscast 16 sweet 16 joe
2: sweet 16 tash that was that was a great age right learn to drive we're learning to drive learn to, oh my gosh
0: yeah learn to drive learn to run into things whatever right. whichever right. one it is just a soft
2: bump yeah you know it's all good yeah exactly it's just a scratch it doesn't matter. that's right it doesn't that wipe right out
0: yeah yeah buff it out that's no problem <laughs> 16 episodes though joe i think uh this is a little bit to celebrate you know this is it's a sweet number sweet 16 yes. and we've had some really good episodes so far i'm pretty happy with the quality of individuals we're getting and the stories that they can tell. It's been amazing.
2: I completely agree. And, and our way to celebrate Tosh is to talk food. And that, that's what we're going to do in this episode is with, with Charlie out of Fox City Stadium. we uh, He's the executive chef with the Timber Rattlers. And Tosh and I, I think, is, is kind of come through, I think, pretty clearly in these 16 episodes. We like to eat. We like food. Yeah, kind of a foodie a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah Charlie's a great episode. I think, uh, I think people are going to enjoy listening to him. And we'll obviously get to to everything he's about and the Timber Rattlers and his story. Just like we talk about the stories of every single one of the individuals that we have on, um, it's always, it's been fantastic to, to just get to know
2: a little bit more about Northeast Wisconsin and the world around us. No, Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's becoming a broken record. We say it every week, but the people that we're talking to, the people that we're discovering, just the conversations we're having from folks that literally live next door, an experience in my life that I just, I, I. I absolutely love, I'm fascinated by the people that, that live around here. I hope that that's come through in, in these podcasts that we have some really, really cool people that we're, we're finding and, and bringing their story out to you. And I hope you enjoy it. Uh, no Packer game this week, Joe. So, uh... no, I was enjoying this weekend. Tash was out walking Hazel, my, my basset hound and, I, I was thinking to myself that you, you can smell fall in the air, can't you? Just the, the oh, fires in the right. distance. It just it was a little bit damp today, you know, after all that rain that we yeah. had. And we talked barbecue with Charlie, and you can smell that in the distance. It's just that smell of fall, Tosh. I love it.
0: Yeah, I, I love uh love getting the smoker going in the fall. The, the smoke just kind of sits because of the dampness. kind of sits a little bit closer. It doesn't go off all over the place. Right. It, get that great smell going, you know, when you're cooking – Cooking some pork shoulder or butt and brisket for like twelve or fourteen hours, it's a uh, it's fantastic. This time of year is my it, it is weather wise one of my favorite times of year. Temperature wise, I mean I could handle like sixties seventies all year round.
2: I agree with um, you, um, Tash. But- it, it's that this weather is perfect. Other than Friday night when we had all the high school football <laughs> games, it was uh, a little rough this Friday's as, as we saw the. The high school football season came to an end, right week nine, and, yep. and now we we move into playoff time. And
0: uh, yeah, we have some good football this Friday, um, some good playoff football. And now now it's when it matters. It's uh, you
2: win, you're in; you lose, season's done. Yeah, absolutely. Winner go home, and it's uh, it's exciting stuff.
0: I think it's a great episode. You guys are going to enjoy uh, the enthusiasm that Charlie has, and uh, we hope you enjoy our segments as well. We have that old look at new and the forgot uh, forget
2: <laughs> i'm screwing it up already joe you might as well take it now hey it's forgetting and i am never forgotten well, i didn't even screwed it up it's forgotten and i'm never forgetting
0: absolutely and if you enjoy this podcast please wherever you get your podcast hit subscribe um check out our socials whether it's x whether it's um instagram um check out youtube uh any of those places and you, uh, hit subscribe, check us out, continue to allow us to grow as well. All right, NoosaCast listeners, uh, it's time for the look at history that we like to do here on the NoosaCast. And uh, it is that segment called Old Look at New. So, Joe, I'm gonna I'm gonna lead it off. I think this one's pretty relevant. Um, yeah. So, back in 1968, October 16th, 1968, the Milwaukee Bucks played their very first game.
2: Oh, really?
0: Yep. With that? Uh, in- they had an 89-84 loss to the Chicago Bulls.
2: Was that at the Mecca?
0: That was at the Milwaukee Arena. Huh. So I don't know. I can't remember if that was the Mecca.
2: Or if that was pre-Mecca. Sure. So that you said 68? 1968. Yep. Yeah. Nice. So yep. what w- thankfully that was a little bit before our time, but when did Lou L. <laughs> Cinder uh join? That, that to- was
0: after. So their starting lineup at that time was Wayne Embry. Um at center, Fred uh Hetzel and Lee, Len Chappelle at forward, uh John McLaughlin. And
2: guy rogers in the backcourt well the only one i recognize and still around johnny Mack. man that he yeah. was one of the all-time smooth outside shooters but i remember him and he still does it i mean he he was the you and i have talked about radio guys yeah um you know throughout yep. the show well john Mackin or john uh, john mclaughlin uh one of the all-time greats when when he was with Absolutely. jim irwin Man, yeah. I used to listen to so many Bucks games on the radio. Those two guys were so so good.
0: Yeah, they did not get their first win of the season until the like sixth game that se- that year, and it was a one thirty four one eighteen victory over the Pistons. Yeah, nice beat up on yeah. Detroit. Gotta love beating up on Detroit too. Da, I yeah. love that. Always,
2: <laughs> always remember the bad boys. The bad boys. Yeah, or the Lambier watching the
0: uh, the last dance, beating up on yeah. Jordan.
2: Yeah, and boy. Did they beat up on Jordan? Wow. I mean, it's all crazy. Right? Like all out roundhouse, just hooks and <laughs> body blows and elbows and absolutely all out brawls, no doubt.
0: Yeah, you know what? I think the uh yeah, you know, the Bucks have obviously made some uh some incredible moves and uh they're going to be fun to watch this year and hopefully they can uh swing through in a deep playoff run
2: and maybe bring home another world championship yeah let, let's go to vegas tash we'll put a little money on that <laughs> there you go well tash i um you know we uh, when we started this uh this, this segment we were just we kind of wanted to look at interesting things maybe that we stumble across and in, in our everyday lives as we uh you know as we look at northeastern wisconsin and one park in particular that i always just walk through uh it's near my house and, and i when i take my dog hazel on a walk it's it's peabody park it's uh yeah it's a city park uh, perhaps it's a little teaser for an upcoming episode that we're going to have with, with the city of Appleton park and rec, uh, director. But, um, I, I, it got me to thinking that Appleton just has some absolute and, and all the communities do, but Appleton in particular has some fantastic city parks, um, Peabody park, you know, just carved right out of a, uh, right out of a ravine, you know, definitely. Yeah. So I, I think it's, uh, it's not a very exciting, it's not a very historical um, old look at new, but I think um, as we take a look at new, maybe maybe just kind of reflect, and, and I'd say we're pretty lucky to have the park system that we have and really throughout the Fox Cities. But uh,
0: If I'm not mistaken, though, Joe, and I couldn't tell you what it is off the top of my head. Maybe when you're going for a walk, you can you can figure this out, but isn't there a historical marker? In Peabody Park? Well, there is,
2: Tosh, and I happen to have a picture of it. (laughs) (laughs) It, it, uh, The city of Appleton built it in 1971. Um, There you go. Yeah, the development of the park was made possible through the funds donated by the late George F. Peabody. All right. So George L. Buckley was the mayor of Appleton at that time. Okay. I do remember
0: that... And, you know, this is, it was never confirmed, but there was a possible bear sighting in Peabody Park
2: about no 10 or
0: 15 years ago.
2: So I would say at least once a month, once every six weeks, I see deer walking down the, you know, right down Pacific Street. Uh, I, I've had them come almost right up to my window um you can see where maybe they hunkered down there's a spot in my backyard where i'm pretty sure some deer probably hunkered down for the night okay uh, and, and even as you walk down along the river there uh green bay road and things like that i mean there's i've seen deer in, in, in the ravines all the time so, oh yeah yeah it's uh
0: it's pretty crazy i mean i don't think people realize the amount of wildlife that is in the city itself i mean yeah. there's fox there's i mean you name it i i there are coyotes that live in the city of Chicago. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's pretty amazing how wildlife can adapt to populated areas, and uh, yeah, it, it's not surprising to me that you see deer. Well, the yeah, there's possum. You know. Yeah. There's, uh, absolutely. There's all
2: kinds. Well, definitely raccoons. Yeah. I, oh yeah. I agree. <laughs> you know, we oh, we, cool. we talked earlier in this episode about uh, about the dog walk, uh, the 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 podcast yes. down in in Chicago that we, you and I like. And they talk about the rat uh, issues, yeah. in, in like New York. Like, I, could you imagine that would just? Oof.
0: Yeah, and they're having those same issues in uh, Green Bay right now. Oh having yeah, some rat issues as well. So. I heard
2: that. Well, better than the yeah. mustache. Better than yeah, the absolutely.
0: Mustache. They can yeah, they can keep those. I, I do not do not need rats around for sure. So no, exactly. well, that's pretty cool. We do have a great park system. as a good you know, it's good that our community has invested in parks. And invested in the system that we have. It's definitely, a, you know, one of those highlights for the community.
2: Yeah. As you're walking around, take a look at your park here in northeastern Wisconsin, or otherwise known as New, right, Tash. There you
0: go. Absolutely. You never know what you're going to see.
2: All right. Well, there's our old look at New, and play along with us next time.
0: Hey, Newscast listeners, uh, we are lucky enough to dive into the depths of Timber Rattlers and Fox City Stadium. Uh, we're gonna sit here and have a little little conversation with Charlie Bierman and um, learn a little bit about what goes into being an executive chef at a
2: minor league stadium. Absolutely, Tash. I learned a lot. I mean, we all love Fox City Stadium. We've been talking about gems of the Fox Cities. It takes a lot of work for for that experience to go to the ballpark, and and we get a behind the scenes look at the food, at the preparation, and how they actually put these events on and. You're right. Charlie is a great guy. It was an awesome, awesome conversation.
0: It's it's changed a little bit since you were at Goodland Field, hasn't it? Yeah, well, that was three
2: lifetimes <laughs> ago. That was a long, long time ago. But you're absolutely right, Tash. It's a little bit different than good old Goodland Field.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, great, and you get you get to know Charlie a little bit, coming from Manitowoc and uh, Fox Valley Technical College, and uh, also as we found out, he did some cooking for the redsmith banquet yes so and brett Favre. so yeah pay attention to that um we hope you enjoy this episode and as always if you continue to enjoy these episodes check us out wherever you get your podcasts
2: and also check out those social medias absolutely enjoy so you work in minor league baseball you're the executive chef for the for the wisconsin timber rattlers you're in minor league yep. baseball i mean that's pretty much how you guys roll as well i mean every day you're just it's clean slate you're just defining the day as it comes along
1: yeah that's absolutely right so you know talking about a typical day in baseball um so obviously we have 66 home games and we're on the road just as many um and every day is different i i love my job because i'll go in on you know one home stand and it's completely different the next time that we play the same team um you know, from week to week, it's it's something new, something exciting. So, yeah, a typical typical day is uh, depending on on what we have going on. A lot of what we do is promotions. So every Tuesday night is bang for your buck. You get two dollar sodas, two dollar hot dogs. Um, Wednesdays we do different sponsorships. for, uh, I think that's our goal, or our Silver Foxes ticket package. So if you're over fifty five, you can get a ticket and a bucket hat and um, you get a hot dog or a brat. I think you get a beverage. So we have something different every day. Thursday is brats. Um and then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we really don't have a ton of specials, but those are your days when families are gonna come out and come watch a game. So you might sell a whole whole bunch of hot dogs and cheeseburgers those days. You really have no idea. Sure. Um and we always try and keep our menu uh creative. So we always have, you know, we have a nacho stand where you can get you know you can get a, a Nacho Grande serving a baseball batting helmet um you know we have the flat top where you can get the grilled cheese bacon cheeseburger up in our Fox Club uh you can get you know you can get a lote you can get um, I love that and and you guys are
2: so super creative how do you guys come up yeah. with those ideas i mean what what's your process like i mean do you and Pooby sit down and just just brainstorm let's do this or is it a, is it a group effort what what's the process
1: Yeah. So we have an awesome food and beverage team, but our whole front office staff is really, they go to games and they'll see, you know, they'll go to, you know, an opposing team and they'll see an idea and be like, Hey, you should try this. Um, But yeah, our food and beverage team is awesome with coming up with ideas. And there is, you know, four of us who work the baseball side and food and beverage. And we have interns that are super helpful as well. But we, we just look at different menus. We look at what's going to be, you know, people always want that next big thing. Um, and we always try and think of that. One thing that definitely helps us is our fan food fight. And I'm sure you guys are familiar with sure. it. I don't know if all your <laughs> listeners are, but what we do is we let fans come up with different ideas of things they want to see at the ballpark. Um, we'll get 70 to 100 submissions. Um, our assistant food and beverage director, Megan, she handles all that. And Chris, Chris is my executive sous chef and he started it a couple of years ago. And I mean, it's worked great for us and yeah. we'll narrow it down to the top five and let our fans vote on it one more time. And we'll put that item on our menu. And we've had things that were on that, that are still on our menu four or five years later. So wow. the fans, the fans actually come up with a ton of great ideas um, and we'll take maybe somebody that was second or third that we saw on that list. And maybe it's not quite how we're gonna do it exactly, but we'll kind of use that as a segue into a new menu item as well.
2: Are those the best days at the ballpark when you're just sitting in the kitchen developing those ideas and taste testing?
1: Yeah, so taste testing is a big part. Um, every, usually February, um, January, February, we'll go and we'll have our vendors do a tasting for us to come up with some different ideas. And uh, we went to uh, visit Breakbush. Um, they're here in Wisconsin, they're a chicken chicken company um primarily for hotels and restaurants and different things like that but they had a tasting for us and i remember i went into it and first course came out and i ate the whole thing and pooby's like slow down man there's like five more courses i'm like oh i'm hungry i didn't eat breakfast i don't think i finished half of anything else i was just like yeah i did not plan very well for that so roll
2: you're right out of there yeah roll those are
1: right those are fun days when you just get to taste test different items and There's a lot of really cool, unique things, especially right here in Wisconsin, that you don't know about. Do you use all, um, try to use like all local vendors
0: or within, you know, a certain area?
1: Yeah. So what we try and do, I do as much as I can. Um, You know, obviously, so through our food purveyor, um, we get in what we can. But you know, we work a lot with sponsorships. So Suremake is our our hot dog and brat sponsor. the the burgers I get from Mulat in Green Bay, um they might source them in from outside of the state. But I know that mm-hmm. when I see that delivery driver, you know, he's getting paid by us. It's not going to, you know, somebody from California or whatever. But sure. it's really nice to use local as much as we can. Yeah. I'm just kind of curious. On a, what's a typical
0: day? What time do you get to the ballpark to get prepared and get ready for a game?
1: So typical game, our games are at 640 p.m., um i'll get in about 9 9 15 um and that's usually my time to kind of i have prep cooks come in in the morning to set you know to do fruit trays we do we have six sweets upstairs in the fox club yeah. we have left field sweets uh brand new this year which is a uh, a set menu on the left left field and they feed about 20 people for each one we have different all you can eat areas different picnic areas so we'll come in at nine we'll get that cold food ready to go um I'll kind of organize, get everything ready for the night, stage my, you know, if we have hot dogs, we'll put them in pans, we'll get that kind of stuff ready. I do cook for the team before and after the game, the Timber Rattlers before and after the game. So I usually get my team meals ready if they have wraps or if they have sandwiches. Um, we work on the, I work with a dietitian from the brewers to get that menu put together. Um, usually in there, there's a little bit of desk work, ordering, I'll go through and I'll make sure I have enough product for the next day or two. Um, And depending on the day, I mean, I might order every single day for the whole week. Some weeks I can get three orders and depending on how busy we're gonna be, um, usually April and May is kind of a little slower, so it's every other day. But yeah, during June, July, August, I'm getting deliveries Monday, Monday through Friday. So
2: you're also preparing for like banquets events up in the Fox club as well, right? That's under your
1: jurisdiction. Correct. Yeah. Not always year round. I would say probably 10 times out of the year we have, where we'll have a baseball game and a banquet upstairs. And those okay. can be long days because sometimes it's a breakfast. So I'll be in at five or six and you know, then we'll try and leave a little earlier as well. Um, but yeah, about, about one or two o'clock the show begins gates open at five o'clock. So we like to have food ready uh, 15 minutes before then. So. It's heating up all the food for um, bunning, heating up all the food for the different picnic areas and things like that. And um, then once the gates open, it's really like you said, fend for yourself and and hope for the best. <laughs> hope you have enough food prepared because every you know the nice thing is Tuesdays. I know I'm gonna sell a whole lot of hot dogs on um, Thursdays. Yeah. I'm gonna sell a lot of brats. But the rest of the week, it's really hit or miss. I don't I don't have a perfect system to to plan for it. I just kind of hope for the best and um. You know we usually cut it pretty close we think we do a good job we we have two different kitchens that we work out of we communicate a lot there's a lot of communication behind the scenes that just checking and see how much food we have make sure we don't have too much now charlie you went to uh fox valley's technical
2: college and, and learned how to become a an executive chef i mean that, that's can you talk to us a little bit yeah. about your road why 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 cooking what did you have you always cooked have you always just had a passion
1: for it so my grandmother, um, on my mom's side, she was a home ec teacher and that was when home ec was sewing and it was cooking and it was a little of everything. And I was born after she had retired. Um, but I always remember going, going for, you know, birthday dinners and family dinners and just having a, just a beautiful array of food. Like think Julia child almost. Sure. That's kind of what I remember growing up was yeah, like, it too. would be the whole all the dishes and this everything was homemade and even the chicken stock would be homemade and my aunt took that over kind of at, when she was older so i just remember always being around that and then in high school and middle school i just really liked to cook like if i made mac and cheese i would i would add something to it to make it taste better mm-hmm. you know like where it's simple yep. but you know a little little upscale yeah um and yeah it was in i was in high school and um, I, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I mean, I loved cooking. I didn't know if I wanted to go on the management side or just cooking. I, I did just culinary arts. I went to the tech. I moved here from Manitowoc, Wisconsin, and I absolutely love. You know, I love the school. I'm stay involved with different um, groups with different classes. I'll speak once a semester to the intro to hospitality class nice. and just stay involved with that. So. Yeah. I mean, it just, it started off as a passion. And then once I got to culinary school and worked in restaurants, I knew that's what I love to do. And I had some really great mentors along the way and really great chefs that I worked with that kind of trained me. And now I'm able to be in that position where I can train others as well. And it's, it's awesome. It's awesome to see people who would probably not be chefs in their future, but just have a passion for food and for cooking and just like what they do. So, right.
2: Is there a difference in being on a sports side of, of cooking, I guess, so to speak, or, you know, just having your own restaurant, do you, do you like it better where where you're at now? Is it, I guess, what are the differences between the two?
1: Yeah. So I I always tell people when I talk to the, to the classes, I said, I never, when I went to school would have thought it'd be at a minor league baseball stadium, but I loved working. I loved baseball. Like I love baseball. I love the sport. Um, and I, I think it's a perfect fit for me. I always tell Rob, I'm like, I, I don't think I'm going to leave. I love it here. You know, there's, I, I think, I think I'm like, what would I, there's nothing I'd want to do than rather than I'd rather do than be at the ballpark, you know, sure. it's a beautiful day. I mean, there's someone in early at like six or seven for breakfast and the sun is just rising over, over the, you know, the lights. And it's, it's just a beautiful way to start your day. And I love that. And yeah, I mean, I would always dream of opening my own restaurant and having it be, you know, you know, fine dining and things like that. But when you work in kitchens long enough and you see, Oh, the oven broke down, it's uh $5,000 to fix it. Right. Oh, the cooler, the cooler went out. That's that's $8,000. It's like, that adds up really quickly. Sure. And you know, having your own restaurant while it's cool and there's a lot of things that you can do that maybe you can't do anywhere else. I think, uh, that's a real concern as well. So just talk
2: about your creativity and we touched on it earlier but you've Mm got to be in an environment where you just the ideas can just come spitting out of your head and just just go
1: yeah and this this last year we tried doing some different ideas to kind of be creative we have special we have theme nights so like ghostbuster night um my sous chef chris came up with this awesome idea to do a ghostbuster burger where it was ghost pepper cheese it was cajun mayo um, on a burger. And then I think he had one other, uh, jalapenos on there as well. So to kind of <laughs> go with that theme, you know, the Ghostbuster theme, um, and we've tried a few different things as well. And, um, they didn't go over as great. I don't know if that was just the fans didn't know where to get it, but yeah, the creativity is probably one of my favorite parts of the job. I love that off season this time now where, um, we can start thinking of ideas for next year. And, you know, Poopy came to me the other day with an idea and I'm like, we have everything here for that why didn't we do this five years ago you know and it's like you you get an idea you come up with something cool and you're like we should have been doing this for a long time now sure and, and it kind of tie in so uh, you know one thing i like to do is I, I got involved with competitive uh barbecue and competitive steak cooking yeah um so yesterday i actually had my very first steak cook off and i did these ancillaries which are kind of like side competitions they give you a theme and you just have to create the best thing you can with that theme. So it was cheese curds and desserts. And uh, I I placed top 10 in both of those, which was pretty exciting. I like like that creativity uh, aspect to it. So on steak, I didn't do as good, but uh, it was still fun. You came out of tech. What was your first job? So when I was at the tech, I worked worked at the Paper Valley, um, and I did my internship there. And I stayed there for a few years. I think I was there in about eight years in total. Um I did okay. everything from worked in the clubhouse, worked breakfast on the weekends, I worked in Lombardi's, um, I helped with banquets. Um so I really I would I was able to do pretty much anything anything there. And then my chef had left and I followed him to the um the mark in the pier. Okay. Um yep. I and what I did, what I did there was I took over the uh, dashboard dining. I don't know if you remember that. Basically, all the, the cold food sandwiches that um Express gas stations did those as well, and we did all the food for. for. Um, so okay. I worked with the UK. Um, I worked with, um, you know, I, I worked with a local UCA inspector because we started doing pizzas, which had to be inspected. So it was a really unique experience. So I had to come up with some different, you know, food state food safety. HACCP procedures and different things like that that I never would have thought I'd ever have to do. But it was really cool to see that on the back end. Um, then I, I was at the Oshkosh Convention Center for uh, about two or three years, again, with the same chef as his sous chef. And um, the opening for a Tim Rattler sous chef came up and I'm like, hey, I, I, like I said, I love baseball. I worked there one season part time in the kitchen and I enjoyed it. So I applied and I got it and Shortly after the chef had left and I was uh, the executive chef about 7 8 years now. So I I love to cook.
2: Unfortunately, my education was the movie ratatouille on how a kitchen works. You got to explain to me yeah. what is a sous chef? What what is his responsibility?
1: Yeah, so uh there's uh the hierarchy of the kitchen and and this goes back you know to Escoffier, one of the greatest French chefs ever. Um where he kind of developed this hierarchy where you have your executive chef is the one that's in charge of of overseeing everybody um the executive chef typically is not in the kitchen but is taking care of the desk work taking care of the ordering taking care of the paperwork the scheduling the the recipes um and just doing that kind of stuff it's it's a lot different now where you're exactly like i'm very hands-on i'm in the kitchen from 9 a.m to 9 p.m usually um on a baseball day uh sous chef is the one that would normally be on the floor um managing the people making sure everybody's doing their job making the prep lists tasting the sauces to make sure that it's the proper flavor um and then there's there's other chefs below that as well um but yeah my sous chef he he's the one that runs all the picnics so he takes care of staffing and takes care of the the picnics and everything like that so he's a he's more in that executive role as opposed to i would be more of like this the hands-on sous chefs.
2: So. Sure, sure. No, it's fascinating. People don't realize they, the hot dogs are great, but there's yeah. a lot of steps to get that hot dog into your mouth.
0: <laughs> there sure are, yeah. When you were at the
1: Paper Valley, did you um, deal with football teams as well at that time? Yeah, I sure did. Um, it was actually kind of cool. I got to see Brett Favre when he was a Viking in a jet. <laughs> nice. So I got to cook for him one time. And I just remember one day, one morning being down there making omelets. I did a I usually would do the omelet station on Sunday morning before they left. So they would come in. Okay. I think it was uh, Friday Friday night or Saturday night, Saturday afternoon. I can't remember exactly, but if it was a day or two. But their late-night snack when they arrive uh, would be spaghetti and meatballs and pizzas and chicken wings and chicken tenders. And, I mean, it's like a late-night snack for them was, you know, the typical person's, like, lunch or dinner. Um, so I just remember that was always funny. Uh, but cooking for Brett Favre, I just remember him just kind of hobbling in. I'm like, how is this man going to play football, be on a football field in three <laughs> hours from now? Like, I just could not wrap my head around it, just seeing him. And, you know, he was towards the end of his career and just how banged up he was. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, just limping. And I'm like, man, I, I can't believe that, you know, he's going to be playing this afternoon. And he did. And I don't know if he had a good game or not. I think they won. but
2: uh, What's Favre's what's <laughs> order? What did he go with?
1: Yeah, he was a ham and cheese omelet. Yeah, I you know it. I some of those guys load them up and they want egg whites in them or fresh cracked eggs and um yeah a lot of them a lot of them too just the kind of plain Jane ham and cheese and keep yeah. it simple. Old school, love it. So
0: you you talked a little bit about the competition. Mm. Um I I love smoking stuff and yeah. Um I've I've only been in like one competition. It was super super small in Manitowoc. It was at one of the bars. Okay. But um, explain that a little bit. You know, how, how did
1: you get into the competition side now? So I got in a competition, actually. Uh, Chef Jeff at Fox Valley Tech. Um, sure. He's part of the barbecue club, and he used to be a competitor yep. in uh, KCBS, which is Kansas City Barbecue yeah. Society. So he was a competitor in that with Chef's Gone Grilling. And he's like, hey, come out to a meeting sometime. They have these barbecue club meetings. And I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll go to one. And – this guy walks in. was like, oh, they're screaming. I'm like, what's the big deal? He had just gotten back from Texas. He won the world championship in steak cooking. And he walks wow. in with this big ring and this this wrestling belt that they made for him. And I'm like, <laughs> this is crazy. So, uh, you know, it's kind of piqued my interest. Like, I was just a backyard cook and talking to these guys week in and week out. I mean, it was just, it was so cool to hear their stories. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to do ribs. I can cook decent ribs at home. And I did terrible Uh, competition is way (laughs) different than um, what you (laughs) feed your friends and family at a barbecue. Um, But I I still, I still enjoy it. I still like perfecting my methods. And, you know, I I learned something the first time I did another competition and, you know, did okay, did a little bit better. Um, But yeah, that's, it's something I, again, I never thought I would do. And enjoy so much is actually relaxing I have people ask all the time like you cook for a living isn't it like aren't you tired of it (laughs) and uh no not uh, it's something I love to do and it's almost more yeah it's more relaxing than it is work until you're at the competition and you're like five minutes so you have to have it turned in and you're a little further behind than you want to be. Then it's a little okay. little stressful, <laughs> but otherwise it's very enjoyable. That's awesome. How many competitions a year do you do? So this was a, my first year getting into it. I did two this year, uh, uh, two KCBS and one steak. So next year I'm hoping maybe four or five. Um, there's some guys who they'll they'll take off of work on a Friday. They'll leave thir- Thursday night to do a competition on Friday. They'll do a competition on Saturday and be back home on Sunday. Um, okay. well, they'll do two or three in the weekend, and they travel all over Wisconsin, Midwest, Iowa, um, Illinois, Minnesota. I I try and keep it local. If there's a, a local competition, I'll try and do that one. But I'm not. I'm not at the level yet where I, I want to do, you know, 30 or 40 a year. There's some people who do it, yeah, every weekend. Do you guys
2: bring your own smokers with you? I'm a, I'm a novice at this. I've, I've never done one. Same thing I'm I was going to ask. ask.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, for competition, it is you bring your own smoker, bring your own grill. And some guys, I mean, they'll have a huge trailer. They'll have a, you know, they'll have a grill that you could probably put a whole pig on. And, I mean, it's just it's impressive some of these setups that they have. I have a little uh, PK grill that I do my ribs and my steak on right now until um, I, till I get a few more. I mean, some people have, you know, 10, 15, 20 in their collection of grills and uh, not quite ready for that, but um, yeah, it's, you bring your own grill, KCBS, you bring your own meat for steak competitions, the okay. meat gets provided. Okay. Um, and it was really okay. cool to see the steak competition. I actually learned to judge as well. Um the whole idea behind it was these guys who came up with the SCA, who had created the SCA, the Steak Cookoff um, Association, they would go to competition, Every, all the rules would be different for the different ones they went to. So they wanted to find something that was a little more um, consistent. So they came up with SCA. Everybody gets steaks provided. These are the rules. This is what you're judging on. This is the judging, so the, the scoring sheets. Um, it made it a lot easier as opposed to, you know, where you're going to something like a KCBS. I could have a, a brisket, for example. I could just have a regular Costco brisket while the next person could have a, a Wagyu 800-day yeah. aged, you know, prime brisket that they spent $600 on. Right. And that's not a level playing field, you know. Even though I can cook really well, or, you know, I think I can, but even though somebody can cook really well – because you have that really nice piece of meat, it's going to be difficult to get good scores from the juggers. Yeah, The, the, the,
2: uh, the smoking agent, the chips, that, that kind of stuff, is that all consistent? Is that kind of free reign? How does that work?
1: So SCA um, the steak cooking is you can actually cook on any um, heat source you want. Uh, whereas KCBS, it has to be a wood. Um, you Got can, so that could be charcoal. It could be pellets that could be, you know, straight up wood fire. Um, but yeah, K, uh, SCA, you can do it on any any cooking sur- surface. So there's guys that might sear it in a pan. It doesn't even have to have grill marks on it necessarily. Oh, okay. Oh, okay.
2: I'm going to have to check one of those out. I'm hungry here after this. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I, I want to go back a little bit to the Timber Rattlers and just kind of get an idea about the sheer amount of food you guys go through on like a daily basis.
1: Yeah. Um, You know, this year we... we made it a goal to kind of keep track of what we would, what we went through and kind of post that and make it, we actually are going to make it kind of public knowledge. We'll like put a post out that has like, so we did dime hot dog night. I think we went through just under seven, it was 6,001 hot dogs on dime dog night. Wow. Um, so, and we only had about a thousand fans there that night. Cause it was a little cooler. Wow. So, I mean, the yeah, average averages about five or six hot dogs. Um, <laughs> And, and at the end of the season, I get reports from my from my purveyors. I want to say we went through about four hundred and thirty eight, if I'm not mistaken, uh, cases of hamburgers, which is forty k forty burgers per case. Wow. So I mean that's wow. it's it's a lot of food, and that's for the whole <laughs> season. But I mean it's a lot of food that we go through. Um, yeah, during the summer, like I said, I get two hundred count cases every single day, five days a week, and. That's just from my side of the kitchen, my the picnic side and the other kitchen get about the same. So I mean we get a thousand, two thousand cases a week sometime wow. of food. So and that's your waffle fries, chicken tenders, you know, a little of everything, and then obviously the specialty yeah. items as well. So No, it's incredible and
2: in and, and you think of all the fluid that runs through there between the beer and the soda and and, <sighs> and the bars that you guys have and, and it's it's just an amazing operation.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's – I want to say this off the top of my head. There's probably eight different places to order food and a dozen or so to order drinks and beverages. And that's – yeah, like I wow. said, we have picnic areas, all-you-can-eat areas. Um, I have a club all-you-can-eat uh, up in the Fox Club area that's a little more gourmet. It's not your typical burgers and brats. Mm-hmm. Um, we we do a little more for that one but how is staffing is it
2: is it um i mean obviously with with the amount that volume of food i mean you you need people serving and and all the steps we've talked about how how is you know this day and age are you guys pretty well staffed is that a constant struggle
1: yeah so we struggled coming out of 2021 um obviously we didn't have baseball that summer we, I, did, I did do taxi squad, so the Brewers had about 20 players on the short list. If one of the big league guys got hurt or um, had COVID or anything like that, they would call somebody from Appleton and they would drive up. So I stayed and I made them food for that week or for that, for that summer. Um, coming out of that, we lost a lot of our people who would return. One thing we, were, we pride ourselves on is we have a lot of staff that would want to come back year after year. And you know, from uh, junior in high school to finishing college, they would come back, and you know, T. Rats would be their summer job. Um, and then usually, if they graduate, some of them stay on, and it's awesome to have people who you know are done with college who ended up staying on after after that. So um, this year was actually a really good staffing year. I've, I want to say we had about 178 or 148 new applications this year, um, wow. just new staff in food and beverage. And it, it's always a struggle because you, you never know, you know, somebody might just work a year and then they're off to college and they, they're going to stay in college over the summer. So they might not be back the, the next year. Um, you know, some of it's high school kids who, you know, just aren't sure where they're just testing the water, seeing what they like to do. You know, maybe their buddy got a job at somewhere else and they're going to work with them there now. Yeah, I, I would say staffing is good, but we always, always need good candidates. And it's a fun place to work. Especially if you, um, we have a lot of people that work for us that want to go into sports management okay. or something to do with sports, and I always say, you know, I have I have people in the kitchen that want to do that, and I said, you know, work in the kitchen a year, and then if you want to do an internship, we have, I want to say we had fifteen to seventeen internships this last year. Um, we had yeah. three, four in food and beverage alone. I had a sous chef intern, um, and it's a great. Uh, you know, a great opportunity Um, for, you know, wherever, whatever department you work in, there's always an opportunity for an internship there.
2: Yeah, it's the cool thing about minor league sports, for sure. Yeah. You're, you're always at the ballpark. Oh, yeah. And yeah, even if it's not a traditional job that you think would involve baseball, like like a chef, I mean, who would think you'd be in minor league baseball, but but here you are. <laughs> so I got to ask, I mean, we, we've talked, I, like I said before, I'm starving. So I got to ask you what... <laughs> what do you, I, well, a couple of questions. One, you're, you're sitting at home on a Saturday night and you know, January, there's no baseball game. What do you, what are you cooking for the family? What, what's your go-to or one of your favorites? Uh,
1: so, I mean, I do grill all year round. Uh, as long as the, the temperature is above, you know, 10, 15 degrees, I'll still grill. Um, my kids actually love ribs and chicken wings. Yeah. Uh, so okay. I, I'll make that anytime for them. Um, I like to do a lot of uh, Asian fusion meals as well. That's kind of one thing I've always liked was Asian cuisine. Um, so I'll do like just a nice a fried shrimp and maybe some noodles or rice, uh, a bunch of veggies in there. Try and try and eat a little healthier. Um, and if we take that same question over to the
2: ballpark side, what, what have been, I mean, we, we talked about your creativity. What have been some of your favorite just dishes out at the ballpark? What Whatever, whatever stand, whatever part of the ballpark we're talking about.
1: Yeah. So this year the show sandwich was a food fight winner. And, uh, if you have, if you've got to the ballpark and you haven't had it, we're going to keep it on next year, but you got to try that. It is, it's a bacon and cherry jam, cheddar cheese, a fried, a six ounce fried chicken patty. That's almost as big as the bread and it's on sourdough bread. Wow. And it, I mean, wow. it's, it's so good. It has that sweet. It has that tart. <laughs> it has, you know, the, the cheddar cheese is really good on there. It has a little sour from the bread and then the, the huge break bush fried chicken patty on there. I mean, it's phenomenal. Oh. Um, and that was a food fight winner this year. And, uh, yeah, I it's something you you hear and I'm like, yeah, why didn't we try something like this before? Um, <laughs> we, we make the cherry bacon jam from scratch as well. It's not something you can find in the store. So I was a little leery on it. And um, one of my line cooks, Bree, she's just – she made it one time. I'm like, this is awesome. You're making it all the time now. <laughs> I mean, the consistency was good. I – I had a one time where it was too runny. I had one time where I didn't watch it and I may or may not have turned it into a solid lump of bacon and cherry. Um <laughs> but yeah, she just got the consistency right and I'm like, all right, you can make it all the time. So and she she does a great job with it. But yeah, we sold we sold hundreds of them this summer. it just you can never go wrong with the brat with all the fix ins.
2: Yeah. I love
1: our our, make brats right out of Matchwalk, Wisconsin, my hometown. So. Yeah. Excellent i love that do, do you guys um all
2: the all the chefs in, in the midwest league all, all the all the clubs do you guys have friendly competitions of whose food is better than whose
1: so it's kind of funny i i've i've yet to meet any of the chefs uh for the other teams um and i know with social media you think like i, sh- I should just reach out i think that'd be fun what we actually talked about doing in years past so we might try and do it this this upcoming year is we're going to take a food item, uh, a menu item from every team we play. We tried burger, the homestand that went okay, but we're going to try and do where, um, so say if, uh, let's say Beloit, for example, the sky carp, mm-hmm. um, let's say they have, a, just a, a signature a hot dog. We'll, we'll put that on our menu for the week, um, and try and push it out to social media. So, we're gonna do a little bit of digging this year, I think. We're gonna do a little research and come up with some different ideas. I like of, that. Yeah, maybe some opposing like foods to put on there. Yeah. I think it'll be fun and creative. Plus if you have teams, uh fans from other teams, maybe that'll be something like, Hey, we can get this in Appleton, Wisconsin. It's our favorite thing that we get, you know, at Yes. At yeah. their home Absolutely.
2: That's an easy ride from Beloit up here. Come come have some home cooking in Appleton. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So do you have any
0: um do you talk at all with like the brewer chefs, and have any tie-in with the uh, with a uh, Miller Park, or I should say American Family?
1: <laughs> I think it'll always be Miller Park. There's going to be people always clip <laughs> off. But, um, so I've done. Uh, so my the guy that uh, Milad where I get my meat from, they actually pro- provide some products for them uh, for the brewers as well. So I've actually gotten okay. to meet the chef at one point. Um, again, yeah, I don't really do a lot. The only thing I do with the Brewers is uh, regarding team meals and nutrition. So I meet okay. with the nutritionist um, from the Milwaukee Brewers usually once or twice a year, and she'll just kind of help put the menu together, and we'll um, we'll just go over how's it going, are they eating it, what do they like, what do they not like, um, and that's a that's kind of an interesting part of the job too, is just know how much there is that goes into feeding the team. Um, you know, sure. I remember when I first started and they, they used to just eat burgers and brats and you know, whatever they wanted, chicken tenders. Um, and then right after I started, shortly after I started, they would do, um, a set meal, set menus and stuff like that. So the strength and conditioning coach would work with me to develop, do the menus and really limiting dairy. Um, you know, not a lot of uh butter on stuff obviously not a lot of um cheese which is really hard because it's wisconsin um you know heavy veggies and you you'd make a meal and everything would come back so then we had to try and revamp it where how can i make this product and make sure that they're actually getting their veggies make sure they're getting Mm -hmm. they need to be the carbohydrates and things like that um so it was yeah and and then we still have the same you know the same things every year where you get a new batch of players and they're young you know when you're 20 years old are, are you gonna eat your, not a lot of 21 year olds eat veggies so <laughs> outside of doritos i think it's a corn chip i don't think i know that but that's about as close to veggies as they get right um do you ever so do yeah, any home, you really do, you ever, do you ever do any home cooking for i mean uh, the players
2: if people aren't you know aware i mean the, the, some of these guys are coming from all over the world literally to to play uh, are you kind of mm-hmm. engulfing some of their, their their culture and cooking uh, special meals for some of the guys.
1: So uh, we've tried. So they when they order the meals, they do it for everybody. Um, and this year, actually, started boxing up our meals. So um, we'll do you know two different options. We'll do maybe a steak and a chicken, or we'll do a salmon and a salmon and pork, for example. Um, a few times we tried different uh, different items that were um, like we did arepas one time. And we made, I did like a avocado, avocado sauce and different things like that. And it's, it doesn't go over as well as I had hoped. And even the nutritionist yeah. had said, try and do stuff that everybody's going to eat. Um, but I love, I love cooking different cuisines, like from all around the world. Sure. Uh, like I said, especially sure. Asian is one of my favorites. And um, there's, it's yeah, there's so much to choose from in different cuisines where you have to make sure everybody is going to eat it, which doesn't always happen, but I, I would love to do different specialty meals. Uh, one of our interns was from, uh, Venezuela and he, you know, we had talked all the time about, you know, teaching me how to cook different like empanadas and different things like that. So.
2: Well, the, the team's eating schedule, are you, are they eating like pregame meals? Cause they get to the ballpark pretty early. Are, are they, are you feeding them before yeah. the game, then after the game, or what is their eating schedule, I guess?
1: Yep, it's it's the it's before and after. So they'd usually eat a pre game meal around two, two thirty. And then post game meal we have ready into the eighth inning. Um that they have ready. You never know if they're gonna have a bottom of the ninth or not. Right. Um and now with the pitch clock and everything and you know, the extra inning rules, the games go a, a lot quicker. Um so they're not eating at eleven o'clock or midnight like they were, you know five years ago right they're eating you know the 10 um still late dinner but i mean yeah they have meals meals available same thing with breakfast if there's a day game um they usually get catering for breakfast and then we'll do the post-game meal there's there's times where you know towards the end of the year i'm like hey they had a good season maybe i'll do a steak dinner one time or i'll do ribs and ribs and mac and cheese so it's not always um really strict with uh the health guidelines and you know paying attention to that stuff i we have a little leeway as well. So we can, you can treat the guys every once in a while. That's awesome. I'm sure they appreciate that. Yeah. We're in October.
0: Timber Adlers are obviously not playing right now. So what is your, Mm -hmm. what are you guys doing right now? Uh, I mean, obviously preparing for next season and you're taking a look back at the season. Yep.
1: Yeah, exactly. So after the season ends, um, everybody on our front office staff, uh, we compile a list of the season review where we say what was our highlights, what were the low lights, and you know just what do we want to do for our department. Um, so we we spend two days in meetings going over that, and it's really a great experience because you get to see, um, you know, I get I can look at other people's jobs from a different lens as they can. You know, when you're in it every single day, you know, you just get by. You know, you you don't really take that in depth look to say, what can I improve? So this gives you the chance to hear what other people see, um, as well as really let you do a little critical thing on like, okay, what can we improve from the season? Um, so we do that for two days, and it's it's a lot of, lot of great information comes out of that. Um, and then we're busy with banquets and catering. Uh, we have weddings yeah. pretty much every Friday, Saturday, that we don't have baseball. Wow. Um, a lot of holiday parties are starting to come in. Um, a lot of, you know, corporate business, different lunches, uh, we're the sure. new home of clubhouse live every Monday night. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, planning for next season. And that really starts, you know, day one of the, uh, of the off season is we already start talking, cleaning up, obviously from the season, closing things down. Um, we, you know, we deep clean all of our stands and get them ready to be winterized and, Okay yeah it's a lot of cleaning uh that usually takes about a month on its own (laughs) but then yeah coming up with different menu options and we just right now is a stage where we're just in the office together and we just kind of start chatting about it like hey here's an idea what do you think of this um and then after the after the holidays when the new year comes we that's when we're really starting put uh start to put pencil to paper and you know line things up we'll we'll do food tastings and then we'll do you know, really start menu creations. Um, we'll look at pricing, uh, you know, food prices have gone up dramatically in the last three yeah. or four years, and we see it too. But at the same time, we we don't wanna, we're, you know, we're family friendly. We're very family oriented the timber rattlers. We wanna stay that way. We can't just say, oh, all of a sudden, tomorrow, all burgers are gonna be $17. All brats are gonna be $11. Yeah. We don't wanna do that. Um, we want to make sure it's still affordable for the family of a family of four um, to be able to come out and, and have a good time. So I mean, staying within reason, um, you know, look at pricing if we have to. But yeah, any any menu 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 changes, um, dietary guidelines, and things like that, just updating a lot of desk work and paperwork. So, okay. um, I
0: tell you what, I, we've been sitting here and you were talking, and I think one of the things we have to see after the season as a midwest league throwdown between all the yeah, chefs. That would be awesome. I think we could have we could have that out at the ballpark and have yeah. like a tasting where the community could come out. I think that would be a good New idea. Event. That'd be a lot
1: of fun <laughs> and we can even make it a fundraiser. I mean there I there you go. You know, yeah I think I think that'd be awesome. We talk about it a lot where um you know it's it's yes it's competition but it's camaraderie as well. Uh, you know, and that's, that's the biggest thing. That's the reason I got into barbecue and steak cooking is not, I mean, I'm not going to win a thousand dollars on a steak. I cook probably. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's meeting these people, talking to them um, and, and making friends. And I think that's exactly how you can. And a lot of times barbecue cook-offs are for a fundraiser as well. This last, last Saturday was uh, for the canine unit and the police officers in in little shoot. So Oh all right. That's the common thread, isn't it,
2: amongst all us all us humans is food.
1: Yes, it really is. Um, I just had a conversation with somebody the other day. We were talking about a restaurant and it's like, oh, their seating is really close together. And I'm like, but that's how it's supposed to be. Uh, you know, food food has been in, especially in France, where you would you would sit down at a long at a table and you would talk to the people next to you. They're complete strangers, but you have the love for food and you know it's it's something that can really bring people together agreed so i also hear that
0: you have a you, you and i both have a love for like bourbon barrel stouts i heard you like some of the dark yes. beers
1: <laughs> i'm slowly getting into uh bourbon barrel i was at a uh, hop yard here in appleton and they had an october fest so it was really dark and they poured it, and i'm like oh i'm not gonna like this and i drank and i'm like i could go for another one that was really good so yeah I, they're growing on me maybe you uh Maybe you combine a little bit of that with your cooking, uh
0: beer and barbecue. There you go.
1: <laughs> yeah, I so the Paper Valley used to host grilling with beer. That was uh I remember doing that a few yeah. times where you had a yep, you had to use the beer in your cooking. And a lot of times when I do barbecue I actually do use beer in it in some way, shape or form. Just kinda yep. hold true to the Wisconsin, especially in chili. That's my secret chili ingredient. <laughs> uh, as a can of beer so yeah good call That's Excellent. little tip for all the nusa listeners yep yep my aunt uh, well, my aunt would have me make her chili and she always said to add a can of beer so i added it to mine at home one time i'm like this is phenomenal
0: have you uh I, I do the same thing but i switch it up and seeing what i have and sometimes it's an ipa sometimes it's a brown sometimes it's a stout <laughs> have i i i kind of like the stouts in the chili it brings a lot of flavor. It's pretty good,
1: especially <laughs> if you use like a brisket or something in there. Like, a real, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Did, well, I tell you what. I was gonna. Well, oh, I was go just ahead,
2: gonna Joe. Just trigger. Do you put brisket in your chili? What, what's in? What is your chili recipe?
1: I don't have a consistent one, um, but I, I will say my basic one. I do. I onions. You can do celery if you want to. Um, my kids hate peppers, so I stop putting peppers in it. But I like a good <laughs> green pepper in there. Um, some garlic saute that together um and then i cook i usually just do uh, half ground beef half uh ground pork yeah um my chili but i've done it with brisket i've done it you know the white chicken chili i've done it with chicken and, uh, and a red sauce but then yeah just a chili paste chili uh, tomato sauce tomato paste mm-hmm. um diced tomatoes the are kind of the usual and then if i do noodles they're always on the side i keep them separate because some people like them, but you don't want to put them in there because then they're going to overcook and right. yep. they get too big. Um, yeah, but oh. yeah. Now I'm now I'm feeling like I got to make chili one of these days soon. So. Well, I know <laughs> after this
2: weekend, man, we've hit chili weather, so that's that's why uh, I'm ready to go. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Another <laughs> another good trick with chili is when you have and you're serving it, a lot of people do like the shredded cheese and crackers. Go with a go with a cheese curd, a nice fresh oh. Simon's cheese curd on top. Yeah. Plum. Uh, All right, green onion, like and yeah, I we I had one time with fresh cheese curds, and I I don't think I can go back. Oh, I love it! <laughs> You've changed my life. That sounds good.
0: Well, Charlie, I you know. I think I could keep talking food for a long time here, but um, we really appreciate the fact that you sat down yes. with us. Yeah. And uh, maybe maybe once uh, we get to the season, and if we still got this podcast going, we can have a little talk uh, preseason and uh, talk about what's new at the stadium and yeah. what you're excited about.
1: Yeah, I would absolutely love to do that. And there's always new things going on in the food industry. And um, I, if I can give a plug, we uh, I'm part of the local Fox Valley um, Culinary Association through the ACF. It's a nationwide group of chefs, but uh, they host um, people to get, who are getting certified for their certified executive chef or different things like that. We have an awards gala coming up in uh, November. I want to say it's Monday, November 13th. Um, it is open to the public to, to buy a ticket, um, but we've we've done it for five years. It's where all different uh, Groups of the hospitality industry recognize their award winners, so we have uh, our Culinary Leadership Awards, the um, Hotel and Lodging gives out a couple of awards, the Wisconsin Restaurant Association gives some awards out. Um, It's a really cool night, it all goes towards uh, scholarships for Fox Valley Tech Culinary students. Where's that event um, held? uh, The event is held at the Oshkosh Convention Center this year. And you can buy tickets online. I think you can just I mean, if you just Google, you know, uh, hospitality awards gala 2023, um, Appleton, Wisconsin, you can get the you can get the information for it. So excellent. Excellent. Yeah, Charlie, this was awesome.
2: One, it's great to meet you. I've known for for a long time. Um, and I've always admired what you guys have done. So this is really cool to meet you and can't wait to actually meet you in person.
1: Sounds good. Yeah. I look forward to it. And yeah, I would love to get on again and talk about new upcoming iFood items once the season starts. And, um, you know, we, we always have our different events. We have hot stove events and, you know, fan fest and different things like that. So it's a great way for fans to come out as well before the season begins too so
2: and tash and i always talk about the gems in the fox cities and, and fox city stadium is definitely one of those and drove by there oh, the yeah, other night absolutely. with the purple lights man it looks really really cool yep. with those lights
1: <laughs> yeah that, so it's kind of funny before i started working there i had never been to a game i lived in appleton since 2004 um i went to colony school here and i had never been to a game and I, I, and I go to a game a year, or two, a game or two a year now, and I'm like, why did I not do this in college? Like, when I was 21, I could have gone to, you know, a dollar hot dog night and spend $10 and <laughs> had a great time, you know? So I kind of kick myself now, but I mean, yeah, I encourage people who, if you haven't been to a game, check it out. It's so much fun. It's family-friendly. Good to go by yourself, like, even by yourself or with a couple buddies. I mean, there's so much to do out Absolutely. there. Absolutely.
0: All right, it is time, Noosa listeners, for that old segment. It's the forgotten, those things that you want to forget, and the never forgotten, uh, Those right. things that will always be there, and you always want them to stick around.
2: Smooth, Tash. Very smooth.
0: Joe, do you want to do your forgotten first?
2: Yeah, let's do it, Tash. Something I'm forgetting. Well, it actually just happened I, I had a list i was I, I was ready to go go for one Tosh. I had one all, all set for us but as you and i did a little research here right before the uh, uh before we hopped on here to record tonight and uh i had a battle pop-up ads and gosh <laughs> dang it, Tash, those things tick me off because you cannot X them out or you can't find the X and the things, sometimes there's multiple ones and that's what was going on here tonight. I'm not even sure what the heck website we were. We were researching John Smoltz. I'm looking at some baseball website and I got 80 pop-up ads coming <laughs> on the screen. So uh, kind of infuriated me a bit. So I- It is. Yeah. Yeah. They grab your attention, though, right? That's what the design is. Uh, they do, and and I mean, it but, uh, it even I I could have even gone with with robo you know calls. I mean, I yeah, I must have missed the sign up for for the longest time. I think I was on the no call list or whatever you, you could sign up for, and somehow that that went away, or I missed the deadline because I must. I feel like I get four robo calls for uh, you know <laughs> what re, renew my car warranty from a car I bought. Eighteen years ago, maybe I'm not yeah, sure.
0: Exactly, you know, but it's
2: expiring. Yeah, <laughs> oh, right. <And laughs> it won't drive anymore once that expires. So you better do whatever you need to do. Yeah, that's kind of what uh, I guess I'm. Technology, Tash, it's going to kill me. But uh, how about you, Tash? What's uh, what's forgotten? Well, mine's kind of a weird
0: one, and it's it's weird because it deals with me as an educator, and at the high school level, um, one thing I'd like to. Not necessarily totally forgets, but I'd like to forget some parts of it are conferences. Because at the high school level, conferences aren't very well attended. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's four and a half hours and we sit there and, you know, sometimes in four and a half hours, I only get five or six people to show up. And uh, it's never the people who you really want to talk to. Uh, and try to help the kids. Uh, it's just, you know, we, we've, uh, and, and part of it is this. It, part of it's a good thing because as parents, we always have a look at our kids' grades now, and we can always see what's going on with the technology we have. Right. So part of that is, you know, we have to revamp and try to figure out ways to maybe become better stewards of education with our families, um, and maybe conferences are one of those things that are kind of going going away. Uh, but, you know, it's four and a half hours of time. You know, I can only sit there and do do work for so long. Right. And then I'm kind of like antsy. And uh, but this time of year, you know what? I, I can turn on the baseball game. And <laughs>
2: well, you know, Tasha speaks to a little bit in the um, in the introduction or, you know, our opening tonight. We talked about yeah. uh, about education, revamping the system. And I as you kind of laid that out a little bit, it kind of made sense because you are right. I whenever there's been an issue with my kids going through school, you didn't wait for conferences necessarily to talk to the teacher. you were pretty much in right. communication whether it was through email whether it was in person or a phone yeah. call sometimes even you know so I I feel like that's almost better than a conference in some yeah. some senses but uh yeah, I, you definitely don't want to wait and let the problem fester yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I feel bad for you guys. Then, then when you told me that, you know, you, you get fed one night but not the other, I mean, that that's the very least they can do is just, how about a little hospitality? I mean,
1: yeah. you, you get treated
2: well, worse than officials, Tosh. You don't get a sandwich at the end of the game? Maybe a hot dog? Don't get me started on that, Tosh. There's not, <laughs> Some schools do it very well, but those are All right. very few and far between. That was our forgotten. Joe, what do you got for your never-forgetting? well tosh uh my phone just shut off i mean i can't remember no i do remember it's uh it's actually it's kind of funny it's right across peabody park right across the uh the river um it's poplar hall it is a really really super cool venue and maybe this could have been my old look at new but i'm i'm thinking we talk about technology and and know facebook and things like that and and i'm blown away when i see the dark star orchestra is coming in a couple of weeks to poplar hall you know uh november 9th and you and i i mean you and i i think we've said this before but i pitched this this podcast idea to you at poplar hall as we're Mm -hmm. watching keller williams you know it's, it's it's a it's a really cool venue they're getting some really cool shows coming through there and it's uh I don't know. I love it. I'm I'm certainly never going to forget about that place. In fact, I'm going to go to that place a lot more.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is a super nice area. Uh, really beautiful place right on the uh, river. Uh, they have you know scenic windows looking over the river as well. Um, yeah, I hope they continue to do well. Uh, it is a it is a nice venue designed for that. So the acoustics are really nice as well. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's fantastic. Uh, they do try to do a little bit this summer with some food truck Wednesdays and. Um yeah, they're doing a nice job. So hopefully they can continue to stay on top of things and uh, continue to provide a great venue to the city of Appleton.
2: Yeah, no, agreed. You you're absolutely right. The sound, that that was really good. It was a great, great sound. Yeah. So that's really cool. But um yeah, so I'm never forgetting that. Tasha, what do you never forget?
0: Uh this this is a personal one for me. This uh on October eighteenth is my twentieth anniversary with my lovely wife Melissa.
2: Oh wow, nice um, happy anniversary. So,
0: yeah so you know what 20 years is pretty crazy Heck yeah right? we are like we put up with each other for 20 years that's amazing <laughs> yeah but no it's, it's been it's been fantastic and uh you know it, it's it's i'm lucky super lucky to have her in my life and you know there's one that's one of the things I, never forgetting for yeah. sure
2: well, so happy
0: anniversary melissa i don't know if you're going to listen to this or not but happy anniversary
2: All right, Tosh, we are at the Redsmith Banquet throwback time. And we've got, well, we've got perfect timing for this one, I would say, given that we are right in the middle of uh, the AL and NLCS Championship Series. And speaking of none other than John Smoltz, you're a a color commentator, but boy, one of the all-time great pitchers and and probably the murderer's row of all-time great pitching staffs too, I would think.
0: Oh, yeah, when you think about... About that staff with Atlanta, when you had S- Smoltz, you had Maddox, and he had Glavin. Yeah. Man, unbelievable to to be able to have that. I mean, all three of these guys you could talk for hours about. But we're here to talk about Smoltz, yeah. and he was just a big power righty, what, 6'3", 210, and he could hum. And he was he was a he was a fighter. He was a battler, a grinder. He he was. I wouldn't want to get up there and face them. <laughs> no, no,
2: no. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, they, they, I mean they were badass. They, they, uh, they had that killer instinct for sure. I, one of the most amazing things you and I were talking about this earlier. You know, Smoltz great starter through his career, and then boom, he gets yeah. Tommy John surgery, and, and that knocks you out for you know almost a year in recovery. But he came back at the next four years as, as the Braves closer. He had fifty five saves mm-hmm. during that time. That ended up being the second. He was the second pitcher in history, only Dennis Eckersley. Him and Dennis Eckersley, one of the greatest all-time pitchers, to to have both a twenty-win right. season and a fifty-save season. I mean, that's nuts.
0: Yeah, and you know he spent twenty-two years in the big leagues, Hall of Famer. Just and I, I honestly, he he does a great job as a commentator for Fox Sports. So we'll be hearing him not only in in the uh, championship series but also in the world series because fox will have all the games
2: yeah a- absolutely you know that's that's the really cool thing i would say about yeah, the throwbacks what we're doing you're, you're absolutely right so you you know thursday night you flip on or whatever night you flip on the ball game it's john smoltz well he was here in appleton in 2012 He's, he gets the nice guy award that's pretty cool
0: it, it just goes along with that amazing line of speakers that the red Smith has that we provide to you in these throwback episodes. So, um, you continue to like these, we're going to continue bringing them to you and you're going to get to hear people like Smoltz and you're going to be able to hear some of the messages he has. And he, he had great messages. I mean, talking about playing multiple sports and the importance of that and, you know, not
2: playing things year round. Right. And it's, it's He had some really good messages. One of the messages, and I just remember this. I I don't remember exactly how how it came about when when we got him signed him. Or, you know, we're going to present him the award. A lot of times we, we'd give fees to these these folks to come in. He didn't accept his. He he basically gave it back to us. So he he was okay. free on his own dime. And that was uh, that's the kind of guy John Smoltz is. There you go, the
0: nice guy award winner right
2: there.
1: Red Smith Sports Awards, banquet throwback.
3: The Red Smith Award, of course, goes to someone who has made some unique contributions to sport in Wisconsin. And also epitomizes the great values that Red Smith exhibited. Let's give a Red Smith welcome. All of you here in Big Ten country will welcome back a Michigan native with a warm round of applause as I invite John Smaltz up to the podium to receive the 2012 Shields Nice Guy Award. John. I don't know how this thing keeps moving. Have you been watching it? Yes. By itself. Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, It truly, everybody that I have met here uh, wanted to know what I thought when I got to this room. And I really didn't know what they were talking about when I got to this room. But when I seen how many people are in this room, it's truly uh, a tribute to you all for all that you have done. And by the way, I never said you all growing up in Michigan. (laughs) So I've been in Atlanta a little too long. But... This is, this is really an unbelievable banquet, and uh, for all the work that you guys have done to not only recognize a lot of great student-athletes, but for the history of this banquet, I'm, I am amazed, as Amon said. But I am honored to be up here, a lot of distinguished guests and recipients. Uh, I, I, I hope to share a little bit about myself uh, to explain why uh, my career or my personality or character uh, took its form. But before I do that, I feel like I'm equipped with a lot of the dignitaries up here, general managers and presidents of organizations. I've won six fantasy football championships, so I consider that if that's something, I I mean, you know, you got to... I do admire your work and what you have to do. It's a tough job. Not all of us athletes uh, are well behaved or easy to be around. But I am a sports fanatic. Uh, It didn't start out that way Uh, as a sneak preview of of one of the towns and states that I can say this, that people actually un- understand that I did play the accordion. Nobody else understands that <laughs> in most parts of the country. At the age of four, I am. Uh, f- uh, I come from a family of three, brother and a sister. I'm the oldest. My parents are accordion players; they're accordion teachers, so I was next in line. You know, I was the firstborn, and, and they strapped accordion on me when I was four, and <laughs> it was bigger than me, and, and life. Uh, you know, Lawrence Welk every other day we watch Lawrence Welk. And back in the A track days, you know, polkas every single day in the car. So that's what I knew. And that's what my fa- family was so proud of. I, have a, I had a uh, world renowned great uncle that played the accordion and was famous. And my parents still play today. My dad's in a band, he's 68 years old. You can look him up online, uh, he'll play a gig in a basement. He'll, he, he doesn't matter where it is, he will play. <laughs> And I was just following the family tradition. At the age of seven, I had been playing for three years. And uh, the accordion, for those of you who don't know, is a tough instrument to play and you must be very disciplined and diligent you can't miss too many lessons. And I didn't, but at the age of seven, sitting at a gas station in front of my mom in the car, um, I just asked her, I said, you know what, mom? I know what I'm gonna be when I grow up. I know my dream. And she said, really? I said, yeah, I, I know it. She said, what is it? I said, I'm going to be a Major League Baseball player. Now, my parents knew nothing about sports. They claim they know everything now, but they knew nothing about sports. And she just calmly said that would be fine. That's great. We want you to pursue, pursue your dreams. We think that's great, but have a backup plan. And I knew it right then what my backup plan was. And she said, okay, well, what's your backup plan? I said, if I don't make it as a Major League Baseball player, I'm going to be a gas station attendant. <laughs> That's a wide range, and she just said, okay, let's just kind of keep that between you and I. <laughs> but an Italian, 100% Italian mom and a German, Czechoslovakian dad, um, I really do, did learn everything from them. Uh, very grounded uh, two people. They taught me, you know, the most important thing, obviously, is faith in God and then family and then school and then sports. Uh, they never, I'm sure, dreamed that sports was going to take me to where it did. But that same drive that I learned in playing the accordion, I was able to learn in baseball. I'm very goal-oriented, and I'm very uh, determined in what I do. I'm I'm either all in or I'm not. And I would just start in the backyard with a rubber ball uh, in 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 a home that wasn't very big in Warren, Michigan, and I just started throwing. I'd watch a game on TV, and then I'd throw. And I'd emulate all the Detroit Tigers growing up, Everything that they did, I did. And that's how I self-taught myself to play baseball. You know, they they still encouraged me to play a a musical instrument. I played the drums for a while, but ultimately they knew my passion was in baseball. I never thought that I would be a broadcaster, really didn't. Uh, That transition has been one where um, I don't, I wouldn't say it's smooth, but it's been fun. And I never thought I'd write a book. And I just finished a book. I never wanted to be one of those guys that wrote a book that had an autobiography on just saying, look at what he did. The reason I ended up doing a book, and hopefully it'll come out in Father's Day, is I think there's a lesson and a story that I have applies to a lot of young children and and adults who are struggling with certain things in their lives. And I've been one that's had to overcome a lot that you wouldn't know, and that's pretty much the snippet of the book. One of the things that I'll share, and I have shared in the book, and if it's the only thing you remember from my speech, great, but I like acronyms. Acronyms to the point where I like saying it, the word acronym, because it makes me sound smart. (laughs) And I think I know the meaning of the word acronym, but the acronym for me, if you know John Smoltz, you know failure has been a big part of his career, but it's been the motivator and the reason that I've had success, because I believe a lot of kids and a lot of adults are choked off their dreams because they don't understand what failure really is. It should be a platform to be better. And failure for me and the acronym of failure goes like this. Fear and insecurity leave unrealistic expectations. Fear and insecurity leave unrealistic expectations. In the athletic sports world, there's a lot of insecure athletes. We're supposed to be tough, we're supposed to be better than the next, but the fact is the ones that are great and truly meet the championship type platform are the ones that have learned perseverance and failure. And so that's a big part of my, my story and through the school and through all the different endeavors and charity failure does come in the midst of all of it and you learn some great things but for me i love life i love to the fullest trying to make it a better day trying to make somebody's Opportunity, even special, by going to a hospital or seeing a young child. And it was all formed, I believe, as a youngster with a great home and a Midwest atmosphere. I know why I loved coming to Milwaukee so much, besides the great hidden golf courses that were here, because I'm one of the few people who understood roll out the barrel as they were playing (laughs) at the stadium. With that, I hope that I do the award justice nobody's perfect. We all can fail, but the good Lord has given me uh, an incredible protection and incredible vision. And uh, I thank you all for the time that you have spent here listening to us. And uh, I'm really honored and I will never forget this night. Thank you very much.
2: You know, one of the influences, we, we talked a little bit about how excited we are with, with with this podcast and one of the influences for this podcast and, and how to podcast has been has been Barstool Sports, but in particular, uh, the dog walk out of, out of Chicago. And they um, I love that podcast. Um, I love the Chicago guys. And they brought up an interesting um, topic today on, on Tuesday's Chief and Eddie, uh, for those of you that know that podcast. Chief's a lot like us, or we're a lot like Chief, um, where, where we have an interest in history and just subjects. And he brought to the table this particular Tuesday, the education system, and and they they spent an episode talking about the education system. And I'm listening to it, thinking, well, Tasha's an educator; he's been an educator for 25 years. You know, it's what's his take on it, and. and it was a fascinating conversation about how, and I never thought about this, just about one how this how the education system was set up, school in particular. Um according to Chief's research, it was in you know in the 1850s. They basically that's when this type of bells type system yeah. uh, started. But it was really started to, to, I guess, make factory workers. And so that's right. Oh with, yeah. Okay. That, I never yeah, knew that. that. That's kind of interesting. I think. Yes,
0: factory system of education. I mean, that's that's one of the uh, the what people say is that we have to reform education because we're still doing it the way we did it back in the, you know, late 1800s, early 1900s. Sure. But we have new challenges that are taking place today. Um, And, you know, yeah, absolutely. There are things that we definitely need to change, Um, you know, and and some of the mindsets is education as well. we. We uh, we live in an era, a society now where, um, you know, we are not just preparing kids for college. We're per, we're preparing kids for for life, and uh, not all kids go to college. I mean, I, the numbers will kind of shock you, but I I think, what did I hear last time? I heard only about fifty percent of our students move on to college, and only about twenty five to thirty percent of those fifty actually get a four-year degree
2: one of the 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 conclusions or or one of the things they talked about chief and eddie was kind of what you're speaking to that when this system was developed in the 1850s the economy is so different right now we're we're not Mm -hmm. you know we all know living in the paper valley you know capital of the world at one time it's not that anymore i mean things have changed the economy has, has changed you're right kids aren't necessarily going to school or they have other ways to earn income i mean absolutely shoot guys like you and i can do a podcast but there's some you know young kids out there that can actually you know youtube and do this kind of stuff and 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 make a pretty nice living doing that and not even have to go to school
0: right and you know that's another another piece as well i mean there are so many opportunities for kids uh i and i i see actually more opportunities for kids now than we had growing up yes um looking at the trades themselves Uh, Some of the students I have, I have conversations with. I'm lucky to have some friends who are involved, but, you know, you're a young, a young person, um, you know, boy or girl who has an interest in electrician. Um, We have we have faith technologies here in in, uh, the area. We have a lot of like companies, Mm -hmm. Um, but I have a friend who works for faith. And he said that if a kid came through, uh, started doing some, you know, work before they got out of the college and continued to work, um, got all the, you know, the uh, degrees and everything that they needed. By the time they're like 21, 22, he was, they could be making six figures and traveling the world if they want. Yeah. And it's, you know, the opportunities are there for kids. Um, so as an educator in high school, I tell my students all the time, it's not about me teaching you to be a scientist. It's about me developing skills in you that are gonna help you in the rest of your life.
2: So, Tosh, that's a perfect way to end this conversation because the conclusion of uh the this episode was that it came down to teachers and relationships. That that was the conclusion at, at the end of the day. I mean, we we, we can talk about the system and, and all of that, but I think you and I would agree and 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 you just said it, the connection comes between the teacher and the student, and, and not every teacher is good at that. Not every student has, you know, but when you find That teacher, that that you have that relationship, maybe maybe it's the hardest teacher you have, but you look back on it. It was funny because Eddie and Chief, both their biggest influence was in the moment, in the time. They absolutely hated that teacher, you know, (laughs) but looking back on it 15, 20 years later, whatever it was, it's like I learned a lot. Chief mentioned that I hated so-and-so because he made us take notes and he taught us how to take notes and now that's a skill that that he has and it's, it's it's kind of interesting and it's it's tough being a teacher i you know you, you've told me that I, <laughs> I i know that and it's but but when you make that connection with a student it's it's definitely life-changing for sure
0: yeah and i you know what i tell students and i tell their parents when I, we have open house or different things i said you know you probably remember stuff from high school and it wasn't necessarily what you're doing or your subject you're in now but you remember a teacher and you remember that teacher because of the connection they made with you. Yeah. And I, I can tell there's two teachers and I still remember them. Um, the first one is probably the reason why I went into science and that was Bruce Smith. Yeah. Appleton West. Can I guess the second and, one? Sure. Mike Pekarski? Uh, it wasn't Mike Pekarski. <laughs> but Mike, I did teach with Mike. Yeah. And he was awesome. It was Ed Smurzak. Oh, yes. Wow. And psychology. Yeah. 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 And I, re- I still remember that class and i didn't go into psychology i think that was the last psych- well i probably took a psychology class in college but um i still remember that class
2: i still remember ed so yeah i remember both of those teachers bruce smith there's a name i haven't heard in years but i, I can still picture he had a distinct walk down the hallway i remember <laughs>
0: he did absolutely he was my earth he was a science teacher and i i still in fact he was the earth science teacher i remember taking that class and that's
2: what i'm teaching right now so yeah no that's awesome i i thought um I wanted to have this conversation with you, and, and uh, I'm glad we did that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. All right, Joel. That was another great episode of the Newscast.
2: Where do you think they can uh, listen to more of these? Well, Tash, there's a couple of places that they, they can go. One place, relatively new, a little thing called iTunes. Uh, and another thing, too, I think it, that this just started as well, Spotify. So so those two new services, why don't you go check those out? There's little buttons there, little plus buttons that you can hit that, uh, hey, it really helps us out, Tosh, when they hit those buttons.
0: Absolutely. And they can also go to YouTube and check out the full throwback on Sunday mornings.
2: If you ever wondered what we look like, Tosh, check out YouTube, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Good luck, folks. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Noosicast. We appreciate your support. If you haven't yet subscribed, please do so and tell a friend. A huge thanks to Digstown for all the music in today's episode. Catch a gig or find them on Spotify. Northeastern Wisconsin Sports Advancement is a 501c3 organization. Our mission is to raise money, provide support, and create awareness for youth sports organizations in northeastern Wisconsin. We do this primarily through the Red Smith Sports Award Banquet and the NoosaCast. Each year we give back to the community through three initiatives. The Every Kid Plays, the Gives Back Initiative, and scholarships to student athletes.